Welcome to All About APIs. On this podcast, you'll hear from seasoned API practitioners, product leaders, and architects on what it takes to successfully design, launch, and maintain APIs that unlock new growth opportunities. Hello and welcome, everyone. This is the All About APIs podcast. I am your host, Buddha. I am the product evangelist here at Tyke. Over the course of the season of the All About APIs podcast, we have been exploring various topics around API-led product growth, what that means for different aspects of the business, how can you actually do it successfully. Today, we're going to be looking at metrics that matter. We're going to be looking at what it takes, what does that mean, what it means for different parts of the businesses, and uh, what are the things that you should be tracking? What, How do you measure success? So with that in mind, I would be honored to invite and introduce our guest today, uh, who has a whole lot of experience in the world of API product management. And uh, she's had a really, really fascinating career so far, which I'm pretty sure she's going to be talking about with us as well. And uh, she's equally in the process of uh, working on her own book around API analytics. So with all that introduction, hello and welcome, Deepa. It is absolutely lovely to have you. Thank you so much, Buddha. Very excited to be here. Uh, it's a topic that I really deeply care about, API analytics and API product management. I think there's a lot of scope for uh, for us as an industry to start think- rethinking about what metrics uh, we measure. And as more and more companies and enterprises start to think about APIs and getting into the API space and API business, I think this is the topic that uh, I'm sure a lot of people are interested in learning about. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, maybe let's talk a little bit about your career so far. I think you've got a very interesting career so far, and that kind of leads in leads us very nicely into today's topic as well. So perhaps give us a little bit of your background as well and what has led you uh, to this point almost in your career. Absolutely. So I studied computer science and, 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 and discovered my love for data and analytics very early on. So I worked in data engineering and analytics and data science for a number of years, about eight years before transitioning into product. And in that capacity, I started building some APIs for uh, limited use cases. Uh, I was at a fintech company called Prosper Marketplace, and we built uh, APIs for our investors. It's an online lending company. And that's actually the first time I kind of came across APIs as products and how people perceive them and use them. This was uh, 2015, 2016. And since then, I got really fascinated with the space. And uh, of course, as a product manager, I'm working with developers every day. So that's a persona that I deeply understand and care about. So it was really exciting. And that led me to my next role uh, after Prosper. I joined Twilio. And at Twilio, I was the PM for their serverless APIs and dev tools. And uh, I got to work with pretty much across the organization because serverless APIs enabled all the other Twilio products. So people were building video, SMS, email apps using these serverless APIs and just looking at how customers are stitching things together, how they were discovering APIs. Uh, I was really fascinated by how little information there is around uh, structured thinking around APIs as products and how do we think about the developer journey, 
even to the point of like, how do you, how do we define a developer? So I conducted a lot of user research, spoke to a lot of existing customers, potential customers, uh, worked with our user research teams to understand the developer persona a little better, uh, and started to develop a methodology around analytics. So we can actually measure uh, adoption, retention, usage, uh, all those exciting aspects of our product. Uh, and uh, after Twilio, I went to PayPal, where I helped them uh, revisit their API experience to help drive growth. Of course, at PayPal, it's very fascinating because they've been doing APIs for so long. Uh, and they have such a vast portfolio of APIs that they offer. Uh, and it was really exciting to see how much passion there is in developers for their for PayPal APIs and how much uh, people care about them. So anything we did there with to improve our API experience was really well received, uh, really exciting work. And currently I'm at Postman. I am leading their product strategy uh, and hoping to also educate the community and other product ma product managers out there who are trying to get into API product management or uh, enterprises or companies who are just generally trying to uh, establish uh, an API methodology and API strategy. Uh, so really excited to kind of bring a lot of my learnings throughout my career uh, to my current role. And of course, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I'm also writing a book on API analytics for product managers. So just to kind of share my my discoveries and uh, with with more and more people and enable them to build successful APIs. Sounds fantastic. That's That's been quite the journey, starting off with working with APIs <laughs> in specific spaces and then coming into Postman now. I'm uh, I'm quite curious in terms of just the the topic of your book around API analytics and and what got you fascinated around analytics particularly like why there are so many different aspects of an API for instance something to do with your background in data science or what what got you fascinated <laughs> in in the world of API analytics particularly I think my background in data science definitely helps me kind of approach APIs uh, with that data lens in mind. But I think uh, what really stood out to me is how much, because APIs are mostly driven by developers, developers are very passionate about it, engineering teams really deeply understand the importance and impact of APIs. But I think uh, from, from the business perspective, all the business, uh, uh, business decision makers, product managers are still not equipped with uh, the right information to be able to to strategize around why do you need to build APIs? How do you measure them? And I think analytics is a very, very crucial uh, aspect of that decision-making because to a business user uh, or a business thinker, if you can present numbers, I think that that's really what matters ultimately is can we drive visits? can we drive growth and i think uh, data is really in my opinion the glue that can bring together the the business and the engineering uh teams on on the topic of apis that's really interesting that you bring that up because i'm, I'm literally my next question was going to be about being a product manager one of the biggest challenges is typically how do you manage collaboration across different stakeholders? Because again, objectives for different parts of the businesses can be so different where 
I mean, of course, there's going to be probably a bit of alignment somewhere down the line, but there's always this part of, you know, trying to get out the best capabilities and best features, which is a little bit perhaps engineering focused, a little bit maybe. Um, on the other side, you've got how do we get to the market quickly? How do we get faster time to value? And how do we actually measure that value? So how do you sort of look as a, as a product manager? How do you look at bridging that gap between these different stakeholders? And like you said, maybe data is one of the ways of doing that, but how do you actually go about that process? So I think uh, you're, you're absolutely spot on. There's definitely a lot of different incentives across different stakeholders, and uh, it's important to align them. And I think uh, as a product manager, uh, the way I try to align them is very much through metrics. And I think if, uh, well, two things. One is metrics and user empathy. So I think if we do enough user research that we are able to uh, really identify the user personas and the user pain points, I think we can get uh, a broad set of stakeholders on the same page about helping the end user. And the way to measure that is metrics. So I think it really goes hand in hand. Uh, so I try to use the power of user research to help build personas that make sense and uh, that resonate with my developers, with my uh, with my stakeholders. And then I try to see what aspect of the user journey the different stakeholders are aligned with. So for example, uh, a support team might be more aligned with existing users than they are with new users. Uh, it could be anything. They might be more aligned with one or the other, or they might be aligned with both, but they really care about being able to answer quickly and help customers be able to self-help uh, and improve that experience. So I think, Whenever there is an aspect of the product where we're working to improve that that experience, then I try to use the support team and the data that they have as as something I can make uh, to to make the case for my developer developers to be able to see the customer's perspective, their experience uh, in in a way that's both qualitative and quantitative. So uh, I think finding those opportunities at not just at a high level, but even at individual feature level, individual initiative level has been really helpful. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, that's an important one because when we think about collaboration, a lot of that collaboration again stems from trust in terms of, you know, what kind of outcomes are we working towards when you can visualize some of that, when you can actually see your outcomes coming to life, then I think achieving that alignment in a lot of cases can be a lot, lot easier. I'm not saying it is the easiest thing to do, but <laughs> I think you're, you're getting there a little bit more when you're seeing that you're all working towards a similar goal. And that's kind of your, your objective, even if you're you're working on different aspects of the business, but you're still, you know, uh, approaching the same common objective. Um, with that in mind, I think when you were initially talking about this previously, I think you'd mentioned that in an organization, there are a few different things, a few different kinds of metrics that makes sense to track and that'll be valuable for organizations to track. Could you tell us a little bit more about what are these, these different metrics and uh, how, why are they valuable? Absolutely. So I think uh, there is 
there's a few different ways of slicing and dicing metrics. I think it's very important to have like a big picture segmentation. So the way I like to segment specifically API metrics is uh, one axis is really about the developer journey or the user journey, which goes from uh, discovery, evaluation, integration, uh, deployment, and then observability. But uh, in each of those, we have different metrics that we can track that impact users. But then we, on, on top of that, that is usage metrics of like how users are going through things. Uh, anything that that is to do with how users are interacting with the product. Uh, but then we also have business metrics, which is more around revenue and uh, and time to value uh, and things that are more decision-making. But underneath it all is actually infrastructure metrics that engineering probably cares most about, which is how do we actually enable this infrastructure? Are we able to scale? with the, the number of users we're, we're onboarding uh, and, and really understanding where we are in terms of the maturity of the product uh, and uh, even things like uptimes or CPU usage, uh, 90th percentile latency. Uh, so, so more infrastructure oriented to see how, how mature our infrastructure is in terms of what kind of customers we can onboard and what capacity we can support. Uh, so is it like a million calls a day or is it a hundred million calls a day can make a big difference in, in terms of like if we are trying to onboard uh, a small or a set of small organizations or we are trying to create uh, support multiple applications that might be making millions of calls per day. So what kind of customers we we can serve it really depends on our infrastructure capabilities. So I think that's the most underlying segment. And then on top of that, we have the, the usage metrics that are more around the user experience. And on top of that, we have the business metrics. So those are the three uh, broad segments that I like to think about in terms of metrics. Wonderful. Uh, just just out of curiosity, when we talk about user metrics in the case, because a lot of times when, at least from when I'm thinking about, say, Tyke, for instance, we've got different kinds of users working with Tyke as a platform. So when you talk about user metrics, would you include, say, developer experience as part of that as well? Um, as part of, say, the user experience, developer experience that all clubbed together inside your user metrics, which would then mean that what you're also trying to track is the onboarding of maybe developers on your platform. How long does it take for them to get to maybe hello world? And, you know, how easy is that? How seamless is that? And that sort of feeds back into it. So uh, what all would you say from a, from a user metrics perspective, like what is the exact measurement that you're looking at? So when you talk about user experience, what are you actually measuring there? So I would definitely include, uh, the experience metrics, because I think that's uh, the way I think about it is really from a funnel perspective Right, is all the way from like when customers first discover your APIs, then you have all these different touch points. Is it through Google search, documentation, uh, YouTube videos or, or tutorials or examples of GitHub repo and things like that? Uh, how do they actually discover it? And then how do they get to learning about uh, the API is evaluating and then 
making their first call, I think that's very important because if if our APIs are very difficult to learn about or very difficult to discover, that's really our top of the funnel metric is are, are people even able to discover and get started? Uh, and then I think beyond the, the, the first hello world, uh, there is the aspect of scaling because just, just developing a, a test application doesn't necessarily mean success. So uh, it's really defining what, what does activation mean for our product? And it could be different things for different types of APIs, for example. So for example, it could be, and, and I think activation can be defined a few different ways in terms of business, if we are trying to, I think that's where we come to in terms of like, what is our business goal? Do we want yeah. customers who will scale with us? Do we want customers like it? I was in payment space and it's like, we want them to start making transactions, financial transactions. So it's also time to first money movement uh, or right. first transaction. And it's not just the first hello world, which could happen in like a test environment versus time to first uh, payment is more tangible and really represents uh, customers' goals being met. Uh, right. So really following the customer journey all the way from discovery to making the first time to hello world, time to value, value for the customer, which could be, which could be the first SMS, which could be the first video call, which could be the first payment, uh, could be anything and then scaling. So I think recurring usage is also a very important aspect of API products because uh, you do want customers to integrate your APIs and then start using them as part of their user flow. So differentiating between an experimental app and actual usage by using recurring usage uh, and, and that, I think, it really completes the entire journey so that we have a full view of, of the user. And I think that should generally give a good picture of entire usage patterns because there's a lot of, lot of things in there, things like, you know, there are different types of companies. Some teams might have one developer. Some teams might have 100 developers. Uh, the size of the team can vary, how, which means how quickly they can develop and iterate might vary, and how much usage they plan to have with the APIs might vary. And uh, we can see that in, in data, you know? So uh, that's really how I think about it, is really just track the user journey. Understood. I think I think one thing you mentioned around the infrastructure metrics as well, and I think while, like you mentioned, a lot of that is, again, tracked by engineers, perhaps, I think that's probably something that they would care about a little bit more. But I would imagine even from a business, like you mentioned, uptimes and SLAs and things like that, that's quite critical when it comes to business metrics as well, right? When you're talking support for a product and why people would buy, the reliability around that, all of that kind of feeds into business metrics. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of these different metrics are sort of helping each other out in terms of, you know, working out what is going to be beneficial and helping different parts of the businesses. Absolutely. I think uh, all metrics have to be seen in relationship to each other. Uh, and that's why I like to uh, segment them from the top, because I think a lot of times people work in their silos and they are not very aware of how another metric that somebody else is tracking 
could be impacted by the work they are doing. Uh, so for example, even things like you mentioned, it's like engineering teams that are tracking the infrastructure metrics because they are monitoring and anytime there's an incidence, they are responsible for, for fixing them and addressing those issues. A lot of times they're not aware of the downstream uh, impact on the customers. And I think support teams are more familiar with what happens when we have an incidence and we get all these support requests around, hey, what's going on? Uh, and is there an issue? And then there is also the business impact. Like, for example, at Twilio, they have uh, SLAs in terms of uptimes. Whenever there is a breach, there is an actual like revenue impact uh, yeah. where depending on how long the APIs are down, they will uh, give their customers the revenue credit uh, yeah. based on the SLA. And I think that's where we start to talk about maturity of the product uh, in terms of is it an experimental API or is it an API in beta or is it a general availability uh, API? Because depending on the maturity of our infrastructure and how mature our product is, we can expose it to different customers who expect different levels of SLA support and reliability out of that product. So I think that piece is often uh, often forgotten is how they really all come together for for the overall business and customer uh, both perspectives. You brought out a very interesting point again, where there is a lot to do with expectation as well, where we think about um, you know, GA versus beta versus alpha. And while obviously that is part of expectation management and, you know, early access to a product and getting feedback, do you also find that there is also, depending on regions around the world, where there is hesitation in any form of adoption? Because in some cases, well, we have gone in and we've gone in with a beta because we want to get the product out there and get some feedback and get it tested. In certain parts of the world, I think particularly a little bit more in APAC, where, where I am based off right now, you do find a little bit of hesitation in terms of adoption where they see an alpha or beta tag and like, mm, not really. Let's, let's get wait till GA before we actually try start testing out Absolutely. this product ourselves. So how does that sort of work out? How do you work around that? How do you communicate that? And then once you've done that, how does that affect your analytics and metrics around it? Absolutely. So I think uh, that's really part of the controlled uh, rollout and controlled growth for a product is uh, now I think APIs are very much built iteratively and uh, making sure we expose it to like a limited number of customers, get feedback, iterate more, and having these clear definitions of like, what do we consider an alpha product within our or meta product? And what does it take for a product to be GA, for us to call GA? I think those are some uh, policies that an that any organization building APIs should put in place. Uh, and it should be something that's communicated to the end customers in terms of what to expect. Uh, so I think uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways people handle it, but I think maturity uh, is something that customers care about very deeply. So if somebody, if a customer is trying to build something in healthcare space or finance space, they're less likely to, to use a beta product uh, they would generally want higher SLAs 
and uh, and better support uh, in terms of the products that they integrate into their pipeline. So I think uh, it's definitely a very important decision maker for customers in terms of if they will or will not uh, scale with a particular uh, set of APIs. Uh, it's it's definitely a top of mind, and I think the way there are many ways of setting that uh, expectation. And right. I think one of the ways that I have seen is from having very clear communication of what these labels mean and right. how are they to be interpreted from the customer end. Absolutely, I think I think um, like you said, when we we are we are living in a world where we have you know words like API first businesses coming in and, you know, organizations are trying to be more API focused and API driven. We've got API led product growth where organizations are looking to take that next step. Now that we've got APIs, how do we actually drive revenue? We want to drive growth. We want to get more users. We want to get maybe a few different regions in in the bag as well. So it's it's kind of like all being driven by that. And the, the, the iterative rollout process becomes so very critical. And uh, testing frequently, like you said, and getting those results, getting those metrics so that you can make better decisions, so very important. In a, in a, in a similar vein, again, organizations can also have different kinds of products, for instance, that they might be offering. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've seen like even Itaik itself, we've got three different sort of offerings that we have at the moment where we've got um, a completely open source gateway that is completely open source. Anyone can use it and try it and use that as a reverse proxy. We've got um, an on-premises or a self-managed product, which is our entire enterprise suite on people's own infrastructure. And then we've got the SaaS product as well, which is the Thai cloud, where you can very easily have, um, you know, people get onboarded with and, you know, you can, it's it's a SaaS product. So, and a lot of organizations tend to follow a similar pattern. So I'm quite curious in terms of the metrics that would matter for these different kinds of deployments where you've got an open source product, you've got an, a self-managed product on-premises, or you've got a cloud product, how do you distinguish those different metrics? Are there differences? Do you still track the same thing or are you tracking very different things with different kinds of uh, offerings? There might be a lot of overlap in terms of what metrics we track, but I think uh, where it really differs is what metrics we care about. So in terms of prioritization, uh, of course, from certain products, like if they are open source, there's only certain amount of revenue uh, expectation we might have from them versus from a SaaS product, we're very revenue focused. So I think we don't stop tracking metrics, we just prioritize them differently. Uh, and, and in terms of decision-making, uh, it really matters in terms of, for example, as a company, if I have you know a portfolio of different uh, products, then, it would the metrics would really drive how much uh, resources we invest in the different products, and I think goal setting is uh, the most crucial aspect of of this uh, exercise. It's like what is the goal of the product? If it is revenue generation, then we can align the metrics we prioritize based on revenue. If it is usage. Uh, we we just want to develop a community around it or raise awareness and provide this as a service, then we can measure those things. And in that case, revenue can take a back seat. Uh, we don't we don't stop kind of uh, keeping an eye on it, but or, or looking for opportunities if there exist. Uh, but I think it's really just a matter of prioritization. 
that's that's an absolutely fair point so which again which now leads me to our our next sort of question which is uh, as an organization then how do you how do you prevent yourself from tracking everything because i've seen a lot of organizations where the general rule is because we don't know what we might need in the future we are just going to be tracking everything and um, which obviously at some point maybe there's going to be a strategy but there isn't one at the moment um and then of course there is if you're in specific verticals where you've got regulations and things that can obviously have different impacts around you know data privacy policy gdpr all of that sort of comes starts coming in so what do you say to organizations is that a good thing to do is that a bad thing to do how do people start thinking about um an api metric strategy for their organization there's no single answer that that fits all i think uh but it is it is impossible to measure everything and i think the the level of effort it takes in terms of data engineering to just capture all the data points uh, a lot of times we don't have enough signal uh on on a lot of things and i think it's it's important to start somewhere and not not be completely data blind uh but i think trying to establish a few different pillars of of analytics as early as possible uh it is probably the way to go so for example i think infrastructure metrics is, is probably the one that is most uh common and i think engineers there's a lot of tooling that is already available to implement them so i think that's a great place to start uh and building on top of that if things i think as we go more top of the funnel data becomes a little bit more scattered and uh and hard to uh, hard to uh, hard to collect hard hard to uh analyze because it might live in different places so i think uh starting at the foundation of infrastructure then going on usage and then trying to go more top of the funnel and see if we can get particular signals as we take more initiatives uh different initiative by initiative is probably a good strategy that a lot of customers a lot of companies can use great no that sounds absolutely fine that sounds like a good starting point where <laughs> Uh, once again because i've seen this so many times where people are just uh, just just want to track everything because you know we might need it at some point of time and um we just just go over there and i think i think one important point that you bring out again just get started don't be data blind but equally a lot of the time is that a lot of the lot of the importance or value of data comes from putting it in the context of um specific objectives almost and i think you mentioned this earlier on where it really starts with the objectives so whether you are tracking infrastructure metrics or you're tracking business metrics or user metrics there has to be an objective associated with there's a target there is a goal um which is going to define which is going to tell you whether you're being successful or not and you know you might have to benchmark some of that the the, the challenge however that a lot of times we are asked about is yes we want to set a goal but because we are just getting started we have no benchmarks that we can work off of so how do we set those goals what what goals should we be putting in and how do we actually identify some of those metrics that we want to not just track but the benchmarks around those metrics as well i think 
think benchmarking is a is a particularly unique challenge in the API space. There aren't a lot of commonly established benchmarks. Like for example, when we when we look at uh, e-commerce, for example, and how much traffic you get versus how much you expect as a conversion rate, uh, there are plenty of benchmarks available for people to use. But I think in the API space, there aren't. Uh, at least publicly available benchmarks uh, that you can use. So I think you have to use proxies for that. Uh, and every company has to kind of look at their own uh, business and their usage and their goals to set some benchmarks. So for example, for really young companies uh, building APIs, uh, they might they might just want validation uh, for their their product, and I think for their for their MVP, and I think you can use uh, benchmarks such as like if you have three customers, you can get a certain amount of signal. At thirty is generally considered statistically significant. Uh, so at thirty users, if you have any kind of feedback, that's statistically significant, uh, and try to move on from there. And I think. Uh, in terms of maybe not in terms of benchmark, but I think in in terms of combining business and usage metrics. So, for example, uh, there is associated infrastructure cost with everything we build, uh, and and how much effort we we put into something, and we can measure how much revenue or or value we're driving in terms of business uh, with that much effort. So, I think even that is a very very high level, but a relatively easy to get uh, metric that can be a great benchmark on this is something we want to improve. Uh, and uh, starting at that point might be something that, that works for a lot of companies. Fair enough. Yeah, that sounds good. So then that brings me to tooling. So you mentioned, you know, there's obviously metrics that we want to measure. We've sort of thought about benchmarks and, and everything. So do you start measuring or adding those metrics to the built-in systems that you might already have coming with your with with the platforms that you're using or do you have external tooling which is going to help you with some of these metrics external versus built-in what sort of the, the 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 right approach perhaps and i'm assuming there's a nuanced answer to that and uh, <laughs> then what about what would be some of your recommended perhaps tools that you've seen that is that is quite valuable for people to check out without without trying to advertise things too much perhaps but uh, you know, <laughs> what are what are some of the tools perhaps that that might be valuable for people to know know more about so i think in terms of analytics uh it's really interesting how tooling keeps evolving to support more analytics and there is always value in using out of the box analytics as a starting point uh both in terms of giving you something as a starting point reduces cost uh, because I think implementing analytics is a fairly uh, extensive effort. Uh, there's a lot of engineering involved in just uh, just getting the right data and validating it. So I think using out-of-the-box tools are probably a great place. Like I, I think a default that even if you build something in-house, you should always at least look uh, to validate. Uh, and I think uh, a lot of times 
tools that are providing analytics also have some benchmarks that they can generate based on the users they are seeing. So I think that's where I really think that there's value in using external tooling or third-party tooling is uh, getting that level of insight of like, People in your industry or have, or generally we have seen this level of conversion rate or this level of error rate or uh, those kind of insights can be very valuable, especially in a space where we don't have a lot of industry standard benchmarks. Uh, I think if we can even get like tool specific benchmarks, so like uh, Postman generates the state of the API report, which is very much like this is, these are the observations that Postman is making from the industry uh, and uh, it's a significant sample size. So I think that's where analytics tools can really shine. Uh, and definitely, uh, I think I have mostly seen a lot of in-house tooling, having worked in right. more large enterprise uh, companies. So I'm a little biased, but uh, my experience is more in the custom tooling. Uh, but I think I there's definitely a challenge there because it's really difficult to, in terms of how how much effort it is to implement and uh, how much time it takes. You need a, a it's a fairly large undertaking. And right. a lot of these companies have done it over many, many years. And even then there is a challenge of how do you validate that what you're looking at makes, makes the right sense. So I think uh, that's where I think, yeah, out of the box tooling could, could be probably at least the, uh, it should always be there. And yep. it's the perfect place to start. Awesome. All right. So we are almost at time at the moment. So I think just to just to round things up, based on this amazing conversation we've had, I, once again, I've always said with these episodes, sometimes I can just keep going on because there's so much to learn and so much to know more about. So uh, for the sort of the last question for today, um, if you had to advise people on your top do and top don't in the world of API analytics, what would you say that is? Wow, that's a difficult one. Uh, my <laughs> top, uh, I think my, let's see. I think the top do's and don'ts for analytics is uh, probably uh the first thing to do, I, I guess the most important do of, of uh, analytics is to establish metrics as soon as possible and establish goals and metrics before you start rolling out the product. So right. I think that's the most important do. And the most important don't for API analytics is probably uh, don't let your metrics be uh, be siloed and try to socialize the metrics around uh, around across the teams so that everybody can see how they impact each other uh, and how different metrics relate to each other. Uh, and that would really help uh, bring the team uh, on the same page and align them towards the common goal. So I think helping everybody on the team to, to help everybody on the team to see the big picture, uh, don't let your metrics be siloed. Let everybody see the big picture. 
Fantastic. Those are perfect do's and don'ts. So thank you so much for this conversation. It has been absolutely incredible having this conversation with you. This is something that is has been top of mind for a lot of people, including myself, about what are the metrics that matter. And obviously, when we talk about it in the concept, um, sorry, in the context of API-led product growth, where we are really looking to make those decisions, where do we put our resources? Where do we put our team's effort? Where do we what do we prioritize? A lot of that is going to be governed by the data that we track and therefore um, is going to help us succeed as an organization. So thank you so much. It has been absolutely incredible speaking with you. And uh, yeah, I hope you had a, had a good time having a chat with us too. Absolutely. Thank you, Buddha. This was really wonderful. And I'm sure uh, there's a lot more topics we can talk about as a follow-up, but uh, I think uh, this was really fun and I hope people enjoy listening to our conversation. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time. Till then, cheers and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of All About APIs, powered by Tyke, a leading cloud-native API management platform for the modern stack. So come, empower your teams and put your devs in the driver's seat. If you want to find out more, visit us at tyke.io. And until next time, take good care of yourself.